to Amidon Planet. I am your host, Joel Amidon. Thank you for joining me on this never-ending quest to learn how to teach better. Today on episode 79 of the podcast, we are talking about supporting math instruction through community. And I get to have that conversation with my colleague and friend, Jen Wolf. Jen is my uh, co-host along with Dusty Jones and Ava Thanheiser of the Teaching Math Teaching Podcast. We had just wrapped up recording another episode and I, uh, <laughs> we were talking and I said to Jen, hey, would you mind hanging on and talking with me about an article that I wrote uh, <laughs> about six years ago and then also an opportunity to share something about uh, these grant opportunities? She's like, yeah, absolutely. And so... We have a conversation. So it's a it's a conversation about an article, but it's more about the opportunity. So the opportunity is, uh, and we'll dive deep, more deeply into it within the, the podcast episode, is these grants, these Mathematics Education Trust grants that are available through NCTM or the National Council of Teachers of Mathematics. I'll put a link to all this stuff in the show notes. But basically, it's a small grant from a professional organization uh, that I then was able to get and use with teachers here in Mississippi, where we basically made space in order to learn how to teach better. <laughs> it goes with the podcast, right? And one, I just want to promote um, promote the the opportunity. So applying for grants, and, and this is a very specific grant, these NCTM grants. There's a number of them for all sorts of different situations. Again, go to the link in the show notes. You can see for all sorts of different things having to do with the teaching of mathematics and even the research around the teaching of mathematics. There's all sorts of opportunities there. I'm going to point to that and actually to an episode of the Teaching Math Teaching podcast where I talk with Mike Shaughnessy about MET grants and specifically a new one for educational researchers in case there are any of those out there or math education researchers that are out there. There's a new opportunity. So you can listen to that episode and hear about um, that new MET grant. But also... Other professional organizations or other organizations out there have these small grants that teachers can take advantage of. Um, the only problem is grant writing is a different skill. It's not like teaching. It's not just like writing a paper. It's, a, it's different. And so just maybe even to have a call out there for partnering up with someone that maybe has that experience in order to get access to these sorts of grants. So what I wanted to do is one, share this article, this article that came from this opportunity where I, I worked with teachers uh, on under one of these MET grants, share this opportunity, but then also share like even my grant application that I wrote. So you can at least at a minimum see what a, like a small grant might, a, a small application, a sm a small grant that got funded, what an application might look like for that because it's a very short, but there's a specific kind of writing that goes with it. So sometimes even just seeing, getting the example, seeing the example, ooh, that's what it looks like rather than just getting some requirements and staring at a blank document and thinking like, well, what is this? What am I even doing here, right? So at a minimum, we're getting a chance to talk about it. You get to hear what uh, an opportunity that was um, funded sounds like. Uh, maybe an end goal of it where we talk about some of the learning that uh, was gained through the experience that was we captured in this article that I talk about with Jen. Jen and I talk about some other things as well. Um, and then and then you get a, a, you know, maybe you'll go out and you'll check the show notes and you'll be able to see an example and take advantage of 
uh, a grant opportunity like this, or like maybe if you're not a math teacher, maybe there's some for English teachers or social studies teachers, like uh, through NCTE, which is National Council of Teachers of English, or the NCSS, Na- National Council for Social Studies. And again, every other organization has things out there, and they probably have funds like this available um, through uh, that you can access. And also, too, like sometimes local school districts have funds you can access as well in order to um, try to improve your teaching. Again, learning how to teach better. That's kind of the a theme here. So without further delay, um, and again, we kind of just jumped into it, so I didn't even like welcome her to the podcast, but here is my conversation with Dr. Jen Wolf. Hey, Jen, we're just having a conversation. Just we're just going to talk about an article about, okay. and this is from, this article is from MathMax Teaching in the Middle School from December 2015 to January 2016. So it's a little okay. while ago. Taking it back. Taking it back, and it's supporting mathematics instruction through community by myself, Joel C. Amidon, and my uh, colleague, Morgan L. Trevathan, who I worked with. She was a teacher at Lafayette High School, and we wrote an article together, just to set the stage, article together um, based off our work doing a mathematics education trust, an MET grant that was a classroom uh, I think they call it K-12 classroom research grant that I worked on with her, Morgan, and then uh, another teacher at Lafayette High School, uh, Verge Cornelius. And so we had a little grant together that was all about creating space to improve practice, right? Well, that's wonderful. Yeah. Well, the MET grant, we were just talking about it before. MET grants are, are great. There's a November 1st is the next deadline. They're, they come out November 1st and May 1st. That you can apply for these NCTM National Council of Teachers of Mathematics, MET grants, Mathematics Which Education is math Trust. Grants. Education Trust is that Trust. right? MET. Yep. yep. And there's, it's basically there's so many opportunities for funds of like versus like for grants for teachers and university people to work together on something. That's what we're going to talk about here. But there's like funds for your first NCTM uh, meeting if you want to go. There's funds for. Um, like if even like if you want to be a math teacher, there's there could be some even some final year of your um, college teaching like some coursework. funds, like coursework, coursework yeah, kind exactly. of grants too. Yeah, uh, I mean there's even some weird. I think there there's some unique ones like incorporating music in your classroom if you want to think about that. It's like all sorts of different grants are available. We'll put a link in the show notes to it, but. I just wanted to highlight one that these opportunities exist and not a lot of people apply for them. So if you're looking to learn to teach better and you wanted to have some funds to do it, Hey, go do the NCTM MET grants or the national council teach mathematics MET grants. But anyway, I want to talk about this article that was like the result of our work together. And you're so kind to, to spend a little time talking with me about this. I'm excited to, to learn some more about this. And actually, I said, uh, my our uh, Amber Candela, Candela, yeah, Amber, yeah. I love Amber, yeah, Amber, like, was the first person that said, Hey, I read that article in MT uh, in math teaching in the middle school, and I use it with my students. And I was like, That was the first time I ever heard, like, once someone read something I wrote <laughs> and that they use it. So I was thinking, like, what, why not share this on the podcast? Because I think this is, this is good, and we could also promote these grants, and so. What was neat about Morgan is that we basically, again, got this funding in order for her to improve her teaching however she wanted to improve it. And Morgan said, I know working with groups is good. 
I just don't know how to do it. And I need space in order. I need some help on using groups. And mm-hmm. so knowing uh, and kind of giving her a little bit of insight into cooperative groups. And so we did some things. We, we read some books. Get, can you guess one book that I gave her? Like a foundational yeah. book for something we both care about. I mean, we're smarter together, right? S- smarter together. Designing group work. Well, and because she was a high school teacher, so it wasn't smarter together. Uh, and I don't know, was smarter together out yet? Uh, what about 2015? Wasn't it 2012? Wasn't it? Is it? I'm trying to think when was I cited it, it. Is it? Wasn't it 12? It was. Maybe I remember I went later. to a, a complex instruction. Was that smart? Yeah. So okay, that's it's been around for a while. Anyway, she's a high school math teacher, so like more strength in numbers. Strength in numbers. Yeah, like Lonnie right, Horn. Right? Yeah. And then um. But designing group work, we had designing group work by Elizabeth Cohen, and I don't know who uh, who's done the Lotan, revision. Latan, Latan, okay, yeah. has done the revision. Um, but that's on complex instruction, and I also gave her um, the book of Magdalene Lampert's book, uh, teaching problems teaching with, and the problems of teaching. Of teaching, yep. Yeah, because yeah. I like thinking about that book as a, a here's a structure for that. She used every single, so Megan Lampert was someone who used her classroom as a, like a lab and all sorts of different uh, uh, perspectives on her own teaching, but really like dissected it. But within that book, there was like a framework for how you like, there was one problem and you thought about it as an individual, then you thought about it in small groups and then they talked about it as a whole class. But anyway, so it provided a structure for how to do some group works. And so I gave her all that stuff and we kind of read through it and talked about it and so she started to in, institute some things with some scaffolding. And so she also had some books on cooperative learning, like Kagan kind of uh, cooperative like learning sort of stuff. Yeah. Yep. Some of those strategies. And so trying to institute it. And so what was cool is like, she did some things that I still think about today. So like her first thing was she tried to think about like what kind of structures like made sense for her and her style of teaching. So she kind of looked at some of those Kagan structures and thought about like a few of them that she could use. Like, you know, one that most people know about think, pair, share. So Mm -hmm. think about a prompt, you know, talk to about it with a partner and then share it uh, amongst a group. And like, some people think like they do that all the time. They do think pair shares, but like, they don't think about like why that's a good thing to do. So like having like one honoring your own ideas and that your, your ideas and your thinking is, is worthwhile pairing mm-hmm. with another can allow you to refine and collaborate, maybe refine and, and get practice at sharing that work. And then to share it out to the entire group that, I mean, you've had confidence, you've had practice. And now maybe even also too, you wrote it down and you did thinking. And now a teacher might have the ability to go around and say, Hey, I see what you wrote there. I want you to share that. That's going to be valuable for our discussion. You know, so to to have like the confidence and the ability to like practice, like sharing it with a partner is like, there's a lot there in a think pair share where it's something where, you know, maybe teachers aren't even thinking about that overall, like, like the value of that structure and what it can do for a kid and being able to like go beyond just like having the guts to raise your hand in a whole class environment right. and saying like, I can share an idea. So is that um, one thing that came through the collaboration that you had with the teacher is that let's think about this thing that we would try to do with group work or cooperative type strategies and you employed it, but just having someone ask like, why would you do that? Like, did it give you an opportunity to kind of unpack like the nuances of like 
why you would do a routine like that. Yeah, no, exactly. And that's like, we, and we talked about like having, so she came up with this like set of six, like core six of uh, structures and like think about what function each of them served and like what, and then why she would use them versus like just, you know, randomly like rolling the dice or something and figuring, Oh, I'll just use that one versus like, no, think, pair, share. I want to honor their thinking and, and, and being able to, to talk out and be think strategically. Yes. About those structures is something. And, you know, it's, and once you've laid the track for those structures, like, and even to be, be honest with the students, Hey, here is actually, actually why we do think, pair, share here is, like you can let them in on those conversations. I want your, your brilliance and I want, I want access to it. I want you yeah. to, and I want others to have access to it as well. That's why we do think pair share and not to just, it's not busy work, right? It's not cooperative busy work, which is something like, you know, we, in the article, we've had several drawings and I'll show you, but you know, this is not very good for a podcast, but mm-hmm. it's from um, um, the courage to teach by Parker Palmer, where okay. it's the dominant, um, like this, uh, and we called it this, uh, the teacher as disseminator of facts where it's the math oh, comes down yeah. into the teacher and the teacher then, sh- you know, shares it with the the students, but if they're all one way arrows, math comes to the teacher and then math goes out from the teacher to the students and there's no exchange back. It is, I am, you are blessed. Directional. Yeah. Directional. Yeah. You can also what banking. I, the, I am the authority. I shall give the info you shall receive it and all yeah. is good and you have learned math that's right yeah like or the um what banking concept uh, of of learning was that that's from that's from frary oh i don't know like like thinking about like or like thinking like you're an empty vessel and i'm just dumping oh, in the knowledge into you in. yeah and so that's like you know that's the kind of teaching we were pushing against right is where you know, there's no, and there's no arrows between students, right? So mm-hmm. we kind of think about if you go to some of our, you know, in my institution here, if you go over to the math building, you'll see sometimes uh, desks that are bolted to the floor facing front. And it's basically saying like, don't talk to each other. You are looking at yeah. the teacher and the teacher is again, pouring into you or like, or like, you know, depositing um, knowledge into you that you need to regurgitate later. But there is no, yeah. <laughs> this is not like valuing. The physical, the, like the physical configuration of the room and what you see or don't see in the room says a lot about what you think mathematics teaching and learning should be. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And, and so desk bolted down, can't even move the furniture. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Well, and no, like, I mean, I've been in some of those spaces, but oh, it's, yeah. still, it's still like, ooh. But the, I mean, thinking about that, that, that initial impression of, a space, right? And so that's why I love, you know, we, we both are uh, fans of uh, the reimagining uh, the mathematics classroom book where, yeah. I mean, the first chapter in that book that um, uh, Catherine, Mark and uh, Carolee uh, created or wrote, you know, it talks about the physical environment, yeah, the physical right? Environment. Hey, yeah. walk in, do you see, Oh, I see kids pointing together, right. And like, or facing each other rather than facing the board. Okay, mm-hmm. so what message am I already saying to you that is important in the classroom? So we talked about that a little bit. Like, how do we set up the classroom? Is it, um, you know, even to say like, how do we get into groups? How do we how do we pair up? How do we actually acknowledge that we're putting value on the interaction? So that was like the initial struggle was starting to change like the physical setup. Like, what mm-hmm. are the structures you have in place? 
and so and, and there was some you know even some um some ideas about what kind of work you're having people do because like if you're just you know regurgitating a, or doing a worksheet on your own like that's not going to work so you i know you do a lot with uh, group worthy tasks mm-hmm. so having tasks that um that require students to work together or even to think like there's some structures you could use on traditional worksheets like i think she was doing like pairs check um and some other uh some other things were she had a structure called telephone where kids had to you did some work together and then had to be able to communicate that accurately to another student that was not in the group at the time. And so, you know, so she started to change the kinds of work she was assigning uh, to her students to necessitate that work uh, within mm-hmm. cooperative groups. So there's changing the physical environment. There's changing the actual work that kids are being asked to do. But then, and this is this is where the, I think the main thing happened, Jen, in, in the the piece was I went to observe Morgan doing some of this work, and I, you know, and I've, I've observed a lot of teachers, and so you know, I kind of had a structure because when my I was a university supervisor, I kind of had my format. I got back into the old old uh, habits. And I was observing, and I just like would make, I would see what I saw. I would like write, I would type in what I saw. And then I would type in italics, like what I was thinking. And over mm-hmm. and over, what I was thinking was like, hey, there's lots of conversations about math happening. Like I'm hearing math happen. And like, you know, kids are even getting a little excited. And I was getting excited about it. And like, you know, there's, it's kind of chaotic, you know, because there's just a lot of activity happening within this classroom, which was great for this cooperative space. Well, later, and I, and I reflected this in the in the article. Later, I get like a, a um, it was either a call or an email uh, communication from Morgan, basically saying, "Oh my gosh, I cannot believe how they behaved, my students." And like, I was just, it was not good, and I'm so sorry. And I, I again apologize. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Wow. And we had to have like a pretty serious meeting about, well, what did you expect? Like, what does, what does a cooperative learning classroom look like, sound like, feel like, like, it's not going to be quiet and, you know, like kids waiting to take turns. Like, and I said, they were yelling, if if they were getting elevated in their voices about math, like I heard a lot of math going on. And it was like, that was a, that was a moment where it was like, oh, not only do I have to change the environment, I'm changing the work, but I have to change my own perceptions about and I have to check what what I'm expecting. Like what yeah. what what does doing math look like? And I don't know. Do you have like conversation with that about changing like people's perceptions about what does it mean to to kind of do well? Let's say do mathematics. You know, it's really that's a really great question because I'm thinking. You know, a lot of the work that I do with like in-service and pre-service teachers is we think about our identities and different assumptions that we or assumptions that we make or the biases that we hold, right? And so thinking about what do I think a math classroom, a good math classroom looks like, uh-huh. right? And for some yeah. people, that's the 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 rows and it's really quiet and think, okay, so what element of it is like you needing to control something or for you to have power in something? Or are you okay with it? Like math should be fun. It's going to yeah. be chaotic. It should be like noisy, right? But right. if you've co-constructed agreements with like your your students, right, and it's done in community, you can kind of talk about the ways that you engage in the in the group work. Right? Yeah. But it is something, right, that it's, it's jarring because it's like, oh, the noise level has gotten too high. Okay, but what are they talking about? Right. 
right? Yeah. And are they are they joyful? Are they having fun with it, right? And so I don't know. Those are the kind of spaces I want to be in. Yeah, yeah, and it's, and that was like it was like it was like and like do not shut that. And so that was the the beauty of the grant. I think was like having this space because without that. You know, if she leaves perception, does not get a chance mm-hmm. to talk to anybody about that. All of a sudden that gets shut down. I, I'm going to try and do group work. I tried it. It is, you know, from my perception, it was chaos. Now I'm shutting it down versus having, you know, a, a colleague being able to see like, wait, 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 what do you value? You value kids doing math? Mm-hmm. They were doing math. They were excited about math and like, oh, and now it's that encouragement to keep going. And so that was the, the kind of the fun part about that. And like, also a little bit the scary part, right? Because what if that wasn't there, right? And there's cases probably mm-hmm. where other people are not getting encouragement to, you know, to do this work beyond like, did I, or do I get past the uncomfortableness that this doesn't match what I thought it would be? Because I hadn't yeah. thought specifically about what is this going to look like going forward? And now it she expanded what it means to do math in her classrooms. Like she expanded the ways that kids could, could participate and be a part of what's going on versus sitting and regurgitating, uh, on in silence on a, on a, on a, in a paper, right. Mm -hmm. Like, or on a keyboard or whatever, like there, there was some differences there. So that was, I didn't see a lot of those shifts, right. So she had someone come in, right. That mm -hmm. was collaborating with her so she could try these things out. So it felt safe to try those things out, to be brave and then gets feedback where it's like, she thought it went this way. And you're like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. Like you had the kids, they were all speaking math. And that kind of goes to the group work. Cause it reminded me of some things that kind of came up in the lab school that we do yeah. every summer that like, I could see where when you're circulating around and you're doing groups and it gets really loud and you're with one group. And let's say that group is really like challenged to collaborate and get their ideas out and other things are happening in the room. And let's say that group doesn't like get it. They don't meet whatever the learning goals were for that day then you might assume because that group doesn't get it, none of the other groups got it. Right. And then you'll just replicate, okay, well, the group work, that's not going to work. It's just not going to work. So I'm going to go back to what I usually do that I'm more comfortable with, and they'll sit there and they'll get, you know, pass down the knowledge and they'll receive it because when it was group work, it was too chaotic rather than trying to think about, well, what are the beautiful things that you saw that mathematically were happening in the different types of work that you had too? Yeah. Right. And those group products. Right. And Mm -hmm. the power of someone else being able to kind of see like, but these things were happening across the room, not just in like one group, just like she came away like, oh, my gosh, it was so chaotic. And you're like, but this group was doing this and this group was doing this and this mathematical idea came out and this is where they are on their journey. So I think that I think it speaks to the power of being in community with other teachers and collaborating where you're not in these kind of silos, right? Like how yeah. are you inviting other collaborators at your school into the space and trying to figure it out together? Yeah. And then, so then it gives you that and you just got to that counterpoint of, well, then you think like group work doesn't work, but then you're like, okay, so one group that has some struggles, which the struggle they're engaging in the struggle and they are, you know, maybe they're not quite there yet, but they're still engaging in the struggle, which mm-hmm. one that's a win in and of itself. But right. then two, to go back to a place where, you know, people are staring blankly at someone writing on a board and like, no, like just two people are nodding. And the only reason they're nodding is because they're falling asleep. <laughs> <You know? laughs> right. 
Yeah. Right. Or, I mean, or there, there's just more people that they're, they might even think that they get it, but because they're not actively engaging in the mathematics, like they don't actually know whether or not they're engaged. We're like robbing them of the problem solving process by, Hey, I'm going to do it all on the board. I'm doing all the struggling and you are just sitting back there and receiving it where it's a passive thing of a nodding versus actively engaged trying to make sense well like standard mathematical practice number one right make sense Mm -hmm. of problems and persevere in solving them and like too often when we're in those you know rows and columns staring at the board situation we're robbing folks of the opportunity to do that versus like this could be you know morgan had a space where man kids were engaging in what she was putting out there engaging together and and that's where that struggle is a good thing struggle is a good thing but doing it in together like struggling like we're both we're all trying to figure this thing out together that's yeah. where is my my colleague ann monroe would say that's where you're going to avoid shame if struggle is happening together like hey we're all we're all trying to make sense of this that's okay like versus like if i'm struggling by myself i think i'm the only one and yeah. and that's where shame can happen that's where we start to avoid that's where we harm others harm self like that's we want to minimize shame and that's where group work is going to be a positive in this, in this point. So, well, yeah. And it has the potential to just push against that idea of like the way we receive knowledge, right? Like here mm-hmm. in the classroom, I would hope teachers, right. would take the perspective I'm going to learn from and with my students, right? Like right. one of the things I love about teaching is the fact that I don't know all the things, right? but collectively I believe that we know, more things. And so how can I learn from and with you? And you can see like in my own vulnerability, or I'm very open about like, I didn't know that before. This is what you taught me. Yeah. Right. And then maybe you're more open to sharing those ideas. And if, if, if your students kind of have that feeling going forward, just imagine like all the things they could learn because they approach it from like, you have something to offer. I have something to offer. Let's see what we can create in this math space. Yeah. So that was a, so that was a cool shift, like an initial shift that happened within our work together. And then Morgan and I did some more work together. And one other thing that we, so like in the middle of our work together, we kind of noticed this thing where the kids are working together. So it's not this, you know, so like there are interactions happening. Right. But then it, what we kind of said is she became like the United Nations for math. Like she was like the ambassador for math. So there still wasn't a direct connection between her and math. Like kids who work together, they struggle, they figure out a response, but then she became like the way, like they would decide whether or not something was correct or right. Right. They couldn't do them. So, so it was like, there still was not this like direct connection. So I kind of had this diagram where it was students interacting together, teacher, and then math, and there's still not this direct connection. So a little bit better that they're interacting around these things, but still not being able to completely like lean on their, like what we'd say is not having direct access to mathematics because the teacher is kind of the intermediary in between. And what was beautiful then in, in the final kind of piece well, I guess, I don't know. Does that make sense? Did that make sense? Yeah, because it sounds like you're, it sounds like there was this incremental shift into like, okay, well, now we're going to move into, I'll get students talking to students. Right. But students may still come out and say, Miss, do I have this right? Is this mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And what we're trying to do is shift it to where like, you can make the argument and you as a collective group and team or pairs or what have you can make the argument and then become like assured that 
your approach is a good one or yeah. that it's not about right and wrong, but like, how can you defend it? How do you construct those viable arguments, right? Those, those practices. Um, but still, and that could be part of the teacher getting more comfortable. Like, um, well, we've talked about this, like we've all done that. We've all been that teacher who was lecturing and did procedures and didn't do group work at some point in our career. I mean, like if you haven't, then maybe, maybe you haven't. Yeah. Maybe I'm going on a tangent, but I'm thinking like myself, like I had the best lecture notes. I had yeah. excellent board work. I color code all these things. Oh yeah. And now I'm like so far away from that, but it didn't happen overnight, right? It was an incremental process. And so there's still maybe like tenants of you that are like, oh no, Matt's about being right or wrong. So we still, ha I still have to be that ambassador to kind of give you that check of, yep, you're good. Yep. You're good. And that, you know, yeah. how can we broaden what the feedback looks like? Yeah. So that maybe I'm not taking that um, ambassador approach right. so much. Actually, this brings me to a, like a tangent, a real tangent. So how to do when I was my first um, feedback that I was being inequitable, you know, from mm -hmm. my practices was because when I would do board work, you know, yeah. I'm filling out yeah. the board and I would turn to see who had questions. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I would ignore the people behind me. Right. So I, one, I was doing the, you know, all, it was all about me. I was being the, you know, the, I, I was giving them math and I, but I would, I would want to know questions, but I'd only look to one side of the room and start like my supervisor said, you know, you didn't, add, you didn't look over in that side of the room once. So this whole no, half of the room is just completely checked out. Cause like one, they can see over me. I'm a bigger guy. And two, yeah. like <laughs> even acknowledging that. <laughs> So, yeah, I'd, I like it's to like think I've come a long It's like one of those things you don't recognize until someone else has observed it and kind yes. of points it out, right? Like yes. you're up there and you're like, I'm doing this great thing. And even if you move more towards those approaches, anytime you come to the front of the room, just being aware of like your body position, yeah. like who, who can see, who can't, like who do you tend to ask questions to? Did you notice you always go to the left side of the room? Right. Why do you think that is? Yeah. yeah. Even like, and so that gets, you know. Um, that there's tools out there like uh, equip is something where you can track, you know, like if you had some, maybe some recording of your video or someone observing you, like they could keep track of your interactions and who are you talking to even to see like, you know, are there patterns you don't recognize that, that you know, maybe a little bit more obvious than what side of the room people like you're not ignoring one side of the room, but maybe you're calling on someone. Um, even like, man, Mandy had something so deep when she talks about rough draft math and man, and she would talk about, you know, and we've had Mandy on to talk about rough draft math before, but talk about, you know, in progress thinking versus like, we're kind of like finalized thinking about, mm -hmm. um, a about a, a problem and like, who is she going to for the, um, unfinished thinking versus who is she going to for that yeah. finished thinking? And like, right. was there differences there? And like making sure, like, is there, are we, am I looking at, am I just going to some kids for their unfinished thinking and never asking them for their finished thinking. Like what, what am I, what messages am I saying there? I mean, again, right. having that other like eyes or even like your own, like reflective eyes on your own teaching is so powerful and like pointing things out that you might not notice in the moment. Yeah, no, that's so powerful, right? It's this idea that rough draft thinking and then like, do I always go to particular people for rough drafts? Yeah. And do I always go to certain other people for, this finished product, whatever that looks like. Yeah. Right. And just like, Oh, we're all engaged in rough draft math. But if we don't think about, Oh, 
how what what are the different avenues for participation whose voice gets elevated in these conversations and then yeah. that impacts status and identity across the room right? yeah absolutely so the the article kind of ends with mm-hmm. morgan drawing this like uh she actually did, did a drawing i tried to replicate it was the students interacting with math and then so math's kind of in the middle students are interacting with math and then she being like a facilitator on the outside negotiating those interactions right and so that was the image that she had and then so like i think one of my final observations like there was they're looking at the distance between two points and you know talking about how to do it and like kids are you know offered one way and and i was about to jump in and be like hey have you thought you know the distance you know like the pythagorean theorem have you thought yeah, and i was yeah. i was gonna step in I was about to step in and then all of a sudden, a, a, you know, a, a, seriously, my hand was about going like, Hey, like, like who that's in the back of the room. You're supposed to be taking notes, Joel, Just be quiet. And like, and, and even knowing like the kind of thing that she's trying to facilitate the question, but I have to say, like, Hey, I got a way to do it, you know? And luckily Morgan picked one of the, one of her students and the student said, Hey, I was thinking about this and came, and provided that exact thing that I was going to say and mm-hmm. like, but was at the, pre- where that was like something unique and novel. And I was about to steal that interaction mm-hmm. with math away uh, from that student. And it was just, it was, it was eye opening. And one, it's like, Hey, Joel, you got a lot of work to do on yourself, but two, like the, the, the organization or the, the way that she had structured the classroom or even, you know, the interaction, like, and I didn't know, maybe she had even seen or heard like what that student was going to do or say, but it was one of those like aha moments, like, Hey, she's, she's, she's moving towards this thing about creating this environment that she had envisioned that she even drew on this you know piece of paper and that they're having these direct interactions with mathematics and seeing the possibility seeing these connections. Cause I know for me, it was a not until I taught that I'm like, oh wait, the distance formula is connected to the Pythagorean theorem. Pythagorean like, theorem, like right. it makes sense. But, but they had come up with that based off of their work and their interactions, and it was, it was amazing. And, and I just, I don't know, it was, it was a great experience to have. But to yeah. see like the that she had had a vision for what she wanted to do, it ha- went through some growing pains in getting there, but had some some success in realizing some things. Oh, well, that's powerful. I was just thinking about how, you know, you had your hand up. You're like, oh, my gosh, I want to I want to jump in. Right. And you're like, I could like I was about to steal this moment. Right. The yeah. brilliance that could come up from the student. But I also want to think about it, too, is that when we do that, we also like steal moments for us to learn from the students. Like sometimes I think it's always positioned like with wait oh. time that we we intervene too soon. And then the student doesn't have we don't you know, doesn't have a chance like you steal that moment of their learning, but I'm like, you know, we also steal the moment for ourselves. Like yeah, if you had just stepped yes. back, you would have learned and could formally assess where they are in their learning. But because you intervened too soon, you missed out on that opportunity. So I see the opportunities kind of going both ways. Yeah. That's a, that's a great, I mean, so almost like it was not only selfish in stealing from them, but actually selfish in stealing from myself as the teacher, or in this case, the teacher educator. Yeah. The opportunity uh, to learn that's from a good them. one. Yeah. I, it's like, it's, it goes both ways kind of going back to your diagram, not just the one arrow, but like learning from and with your students that when we don't have those opportunities for them to share their brilliance, then we also take away opportunities for us to learn from them. 
Yeah, absolutely. No, so that that was is a is a nice. It was a fun project to work on, and so you know the the grant kind of paid for us to. Well, the, the grant was a smaller grant. It was like $6,000. But what we did with it was we got some resources for the teachers. Like they wanted to be able to project their, what was, um, they wanted to have an iPad that you could then project onto their smart boards. So like if a yeah. student had, was doing a problem, like, hey, like take a picture of it and like it would project quickly onto the screen, like, which probably is not too bad. Like it sounds yeah, we don't pretty. think about that now in 2022, but yeah. like back in 2000, what, 14, 15, it would have yeah. been like, Oh, okay. I think I had to get something called squirrel or something like that. Right, in order that to, do it. Yeah, yeah. Facilitate it. But yeah, like there wasn't a lot of, there's not a lot of hurdles for that now. There was a lot then. Um, and you know, so, cause that would have helped with the group work sort of thing. Like, mm-hmm. Hey, I want to put, put your brilliance up on the screen. It's not my, my work, it's your work. And then you right. can come up and explain it. So they wanted that. We got some books. We, we used some of the funds for uh, memberships in our local affiliate, uh, MCTM that of the national organization of NCTM, but they got, I think NCTM stuff as well. But then also we were lucky because the big conference for NCTM was local that year. So we got to go uh, use some funds for that as well. So trying to just use funds in order, again, just create space to improve in their teaching. And so Morgan wanted to uh, improve as a teacher. And so we had a chance to not only do the project, share it a little bit at um, our local affiliate meeting, but then also to share it and disseminate in this article, which got a chance to to talk about. So anyway, it was a, it was a productive, a productive, I think a productive use of those funds and, and just created some relationships and, and some things that I think went beyond just that grant. Yeah. And thinking about it. So this was early on in your higher ed career in terms of very early, right? Early on. So when you think about that project, um, what ways has it, you know, like, you know, moved on to other, like you still carry some of those big takeaways from that collaboration into your own teaching, into like your work with school districts, coaches, like, are there things that have come out of that where you're like, you know, that was pretty powerful. And like, here are the things I took away from it and I'm still doing. Yeah. I think for me, like there's some, I guess some learnings is like one, you don't need a lot of money to, to do some things. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, But then two, if you do get funds, how do we get it towards teachers um, as much as possible and giving them some control over what um, what's done with it. And then, also not having this predetermined thing like, Hey, I will work with you if you do X now, mm, like yeah. we tried to make it as loose as possible where like, Hey, can I come hang out? And then we'll use these funds to help you improve how you want to improve your teaching. Knowing that also too, you know, I wanted things that are, you know, moved it towards more equitable instruction. Like how are we being improving access to uh, the mathematics, building those relationships with mathematics. That's kind of what I, I care about a lot. Um, you know, being that guide, but then also providing freedom. Cause I think a lot of times, and we've seen it more and more is like teachers are just being told like, here's what you need to do, you know, right. versus not like feeling like partners, partners, right. Or have yeah. that voice in there. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's making me think about too some of your takeaways from this and moving forward is like, what is the grain size that we need to introduce, right, to to move more towards equitable instruction? Because everyone is kind of in a different space with regard yeah. to their equity journey and what that looks like, or even how they think about equity. So these different grain sizes, um, what does that look like? 
Yeah. Right. And for this teacher, it was like, here's something I'm wanting to do. I want to do group work. I'm not sure exactly what to do. Here's some think, pair, share things I've done. And now that I've done that and I'm more comfortable with that, what's the next thing I can do? What's the next thing I can do? Yeah. And the, and the value of a, um, a partner with a shared vision for where you want to go, I yeah. think, I mean, I don't know, Jen, like, you know, we've had a lot of conversations over the years and just thinking about how you have pushed me in my thinking mm-hmm. and my, in my actions too, not just thinking, I mean, like going to translated actions, like, Hey, am I checking in with my students, uh, during COVID about, Hey, how you doing? And like thinking yeah. like, you know, what, what would Jen do in this situation? Cause <laughs> okay. you know, sometimes you're like, gosh, I got to get this done, this done, this. Done. And I'm like, wait a second, how you doing? Like, you hey, know, yeah. how are you doing? And yeah, it's, or just even to acknowledge like, Hey, God, Hey, y'all, I, I know it's, it's awful right now. Like, you know, people can't, you can't see family. You can't, uh, you missed out on graduation. Like there's like things that are, we're, you know, we need to acknowledge versus like, Hey, what, what, what's, how do we solve this problem? Right. And so yeah. I know yeah. I've gotten that from you and like having that partner in doing work is invaluable. Yeah. Yeah. I think sometimes we can often get like stuck in our heads, like, and we create these narratives and things. Um, and I think it's important that you reach out to people and try to do this work in collaboration with one another and community with one another. I think centering that and then moving from that point is really where we all need to be moving towards. Yeah. You know, I've learned a lot too. Like I think, I think you embody right? What, what it means to engage in like resilient teaching. You've been doing this work for a while, but you come at it from a place of love, right? Like, I feel like your work is all centered on equity and love period. Right. And then we move from there and that you're human and that you're fallible and that you learn from that, but you're, you're so open to learning from and with other people. Right. And so I've learned a lot from you in that regard. Right? That I, We just have really good conversations. I think we do. Yeah. And that's that's why I was it's like fun, right? It kind of makes this work fun. It does. And that's yeah. uh it's also what makes it fun to to share these conversations too. So yeah. um yeah, asking you uh in, in a second, like, hey Jen, you want to jump on this this, this recording? Like, right? like uh, uh when now? Now <laughs> yeah, yeah, why not? I mean it's just a conversation. I think uh, with all these things, right? If you can approach it from we're just having a conversation. Yeah. So I yeah. guess I mean um you know, if, if anyone is interested, like we'll put a link to these uh, show notes, uh, a link in the show notes for MET grants. Um, you can link to this article. I don't know if people can access to it, but we've kind of shared all the major learnings that are from it. But even some of the resources that we mentioned, I think we have lots of resources and some of the conversations, like conversations with Kathy Ye that I had with um, on the Teaching Math Teaching Podcast and then Mandy Jansen on Rough Draft Math. So lots of stuff that we can point people to. But even to just if you're a teacher of mathematics and there might be one of those MET grants that you grab a partner and and think might be a, a good thing to reach out to in order to try to yeah. learn to teach well, better. Well, as you said too, um, that partner doesn't have to be someone who's a university person either. Like right. you just happen to be that, right? That they yeah. have grants there, I think, where you can collaborate with other teachers in other districts Absolutely. or just teachers within your school. And so the point is, it's just like collaborating. Like, what can we learn through that collaboration? Are you saying we should stop, collaborate and listen? Oh my gosh, you're taking it back now. 
my God. Are people going to get that reference? Maybe. Uh, maybe not. All right. I think that's the dad jokes coming out in you. Dad there, jokes. Definitely. Dad jokes for days. De- definitely. <laughs> All right. Well, Jen, thank you so much for joining me today. Yeah. I appreciate it. Happy to be part of the conversation. Thanks for the invite. There we go. Uh, that was my conversation with Jen on the article supporting MathMax instruction through community that was in MathMax teaching in the middle school. Uh, again, we'll put a link to that and the citation to that in the uh, show notes. But also what we want to share is this grant application. Um, so you can kind of see what a funded grant application looks like for anyone that might be seeking out similar sorts of funds or maybe even from MET, the Mathematics Education Trust, similar sort of things to, in order to improve their teaching. Like, man, if I had this, I think that would really help my students in learning X, right? And so you want to be able to take advantage of those things, but maybe you don't have the support of somebody to work with you on your grant application. So one, I want to show you what that application looks like, because as we get into the mailbag episode or mailbag part of the episode, that's a question I get asked often is, what one, what does this MET grant look like? Like, what does the application look like? What is the, the write-up that you had to, that you submitted to get it funded? What does that look like? And so I'll share that. I'm going to share that as a PDF um, link in the show notes just to see like, hey, here it is. Like, there's no reason for not doing it. And you'll see like there's a, you know, got to have a title for your project. You need a little project description. Um, there's certain, you know, like, hey, what, what question am I trying to get at? So for us, it was like, we were trying to say, what does it look like to create space for teachers to advance their teaching practice, given the pressures of high stakes testing? Because both of these teachers that I was working with were, were teaching in a state tested area, which is like pretty stressful, but they still wanted to improve their practice. And then specifically also too, how, um, how do teachers choose to improve their practice in specific measurable ways? That was another thing that we looked at. Um, and then I had to have, you know, kind of a plan for what we're going to do. We're going to do some observations. We're going to have some interactions with them uh, over the year that we're going to work together and had to have a timeline for our working together. And then also just, you know, a, a little bit of literature on, um, had to do a little bit of research on who says that this is important, right? And so had some research to support like, hey, what we want to do is like making this space for, to improve teaching is important. Right. And so I had some citations that supported that and like kind of a general idea about what we wanted to what, what we wanted at the end, what, what the outcome would be at the end of this. And that was kind of the article, too, was like an outcome where we got to not only not only did the teacher improve, but we got to share that knowledge. And I know and I, I joked about it in the episode that some people have used this article in their teaching of teachers um, to kind of show some ideas about this transition of thinking about group work. And that's awesome. <laughs> that's awesome. That not only was it good for Morgan, it was good for me, but it was, now it's been good for others. And that's why we write things as, you know, as academics, right? Or even too, as teachers, like teachers needing to share their knowledge. I'm so glad Morgan got to share her story in here because that story is now valuable to other teachers out there. And so, um, so that was an outcome. And then finally is a budget. And we basically had a line item budget and we showed that we're, hey, we're going to spend all this money and how we're going to do it. Like we got uh, NCTM memberships. We got MCTM, which is the Mississippi Council of Teachers and Mathematics memberships. We got some stipends uh, for the summer. So a little little bit of work in the summer that they would be doing. So I got them a little bit of stipends uh, 
for that, and also some some stipends in the in the fall and spring too as well. We want to make sure, hey, you're spending some of your time. It wasn't a lot of money, but it was like a decent encouragement to spend some of their time on this project. And then we got some software and a few some other resources, some technology and other things that they both were able to take advantage of. And then we also it just happened that. Um, NCTM was going to be in New Orleans, which is not that far from where we're at. So we allocated some money to go to that conference. Because again, I wanted them to not only see, like think about their development here, but also think about what are practices you can use going forward. So um, going to MCTM, the Mississippi Council of Teacher Mathematics meeting, and then also then to NCTM and knowing that we, we had opportunities to present at both of those spaces as well, which is kind of cool also. So that's, that's kind of um, important because it was more than just the learning that happened uh, in the school, but it's learning that we can then share beyond. So we're sha- <laughs> we shared it in the article, and now we're sharing it in the podcast episode. So just want to encourage folks out there, if you're looking for those opportunities that, and again, the MET grants, uh, there's a number of them. And they're, again, they're all towards math teaching. So if you're listening to this and you're a math teacher, great, go check them out, go to the link. But then also too, if you're someone that's in another field, like there's probably funds out there uh, from different organizations. I mean, I know down here, there's a, a lot of like Kellogg's, like the cereal company offers uh, some grants for some things. And as some of those might be more involved to apply for, but there's might be some just like the MET grants where it's not that much, like a little four page application could be enough um, to, to get some funding to help improve your teaching. And those little things that you're doing to improve your teaching, those are kind of like little fuel in the tank where someone says like, yeah, what you're doing and what you want to do that we want to support that. And we're going to give you some funds to do it. So it's a good encouragement. Um, again, want to reach out there and, and, and share what we can. And if you, uh, you have more questions on such such funding, you can, again, for MET grants, there's a funding cycle. There's one that's due in November, but then another one's due in May. And every year, November 1st and May 1st is when those applications are due. So if you're interested in that particular opportunity, they come around every year. So maybe now is not the time, <laughs> but uh, maybe you want to think ahead to May or think, and, and different grants are, are open at different times. So just pay attention to those if that's the opportunity you're looking for. Okay. All right, so that's going to do it for this episode of the Amazon Planet podcast. Show notes can be found at amazonplanet.com forward slash episode 79. Now, for those of you looking for ways to support the podcast, you can submit a question, comment, or suggestion like the one for, hey, what does it look like to, to get a uh, MET grant? We just answered that. Uh, you can send a suggestion, uh, again, a question, comment, or suggestion to the mailbag by sending an email to joel at amazonplanet.com. Again, that's J-O-E-L at amazonplanet.com. You can also subscribe, rate, and review, and share this episode, which will allow more people looking for similar content to find it. As always, you can follow at Amazon Planet on Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, or like the Amazon Planet Facebook page. Finally, check out the Amazon Planet store, Amazon Planet Bookshop. Links are in the footer at amazonplanet.com, where your purchases support the production costs of the podcast. Thank you uh, for spending some time on Amazon Planet. Thanks to Jen Wolf for just jumping into a discussion with me on, on this episode. I really appreciate that. Thanks to Matt Mifflin for the music in this episode. And finally, thank you to all of you out there learning to teach better and be the good in the world by investing in the lives of others. This world is a better place because you have decided to use the gifts you have been given to serve others. Thank you for all that you do. Peace. Peace.